talking about the totally committed life. Rick and Marilyn Perhey have been missionaries for 22 years. They have three children and two uh, grandchildren. In the city that they are missionaries in, traffic in the city is noticeably lighter. Um, the neighbors are coming into the apartment complex, and you can tell they're bringing more groceries at this time, which large packs of water bottles and extra cans goods. And the mood in the city right now is quieter. All the students at the seminary have been asking if his family is leaving. There's been so Americans that have been leaving this area. Why? Because they are in Kiev, Ukraine. There is currently 130,000 Russian troops all along the borders with tanks and artilleries. And the Russian president and the country are desperate to keep Ukraine out of NATO and the European influence. The U.S. has declared that all citizens leave the country immediately. It's also evacuated all non-essential embassy employees. Other European countries have followed the same. Uh, they truly believe that the war is com coming, the nationals. Would it be the first time? Not in Ukraine's history. Back in 2014, on the cuffs of the Olympics that were in Sochi, Russia invaded Crimea, the southern region of Ukraine. It would be today if someone stole Florida, Georgia, and Alabama put together. That's what they took. And currently right now, there's a slow-burning war in Dunvast where over 14,000 Ukrainians have died. So are Rick and Marilyn leaving? No. Here's what they say. We are staying for the little sake of band of believers in the church whom we love. We're walking together with them in good times and in bad. And what keeps me coming to the seminary which he established? The Ukrainian students who are hungry to study the word of God and to put Bible exposition into practice with Christ-saturated biblical theology in these uncertain times. You see, he says, we Americans have little tolerance for insecurity. We can't imagine living with so much risk. Yet in the absence of comfort, safety, or even basic health insurance or life insurance, Ukrainian believers rally together in their church and support one another in times of sickness and sorrow and death. And he says it's a truly beautiful family. He says their family believes that the window of opportunity in Ukraine before it possibly is taken over where the gospel can go out freely is quickly closing. So they're going to stay to equip the saints to take the gospel. The Parai family is totally committed to God, totally committed to God's people, and totally to committed to the mission of God. Are you today? We live in a time and day and age where commitment to God, especially in America, is flimsy. The pandemic has, it's really exposed this. The value that people place on the church and God's people and its family. It shows when we lack times of fellowship. We realize that people have other allegiances when the times get tough. Whether that be political affiliation to their work, their families, their jobs, their hobbies. People aren't committed thus why we had our annual theme this year of total commitment. You see, sometimes, sadly, people 
treat their commitment to God as something that they just put on their social media page. I am a Christian that is a tag along, but it doesn't define who they are. But what I want to do today is show you how Caleb in the book of Joshua remained committed to God despite the fact that he was going to go into battle. And when everyone else fleed away from God, how he remained committed to him. In order for us to be truly committed to God, we must, here's my points for the night, see life from God's perspective and we must cling to his promises. The book of Joshua is the book showing God's faithfulness to the Israelites, his total commitment to them. You see, God had promised Abraham that he would give him numerous offspring and that his offspring one day would have a nation all to themselves. And the people of Israel, they left Egypt and they were on the way to the promised land. But we see before after Exodus that they were rebellious and they could not go for 40 years. This brings us to the book of Joshua because finally now, now they're able to enter into the promised land. So the book of Joshua is split up into four different parts. The first uh, portion, chapter 1 uh, through chapter 5, is they cross into the land. Chapter 2 through chapter 12, they're taking the land. Chapter 13 through chapter 1, they are dividing the land, and then the rest of the book, they're serving the Lord in the land. We're specifically going to be talking about this division portion of the land. The land that was promised to, specifically in our case, the tribe of Judah, And that's where Caleb steps in. You see, in our passage, we find that Caleb is stepping out for the tribe of Judah to receive the land that God has promised him earlier back in the book of Numbers. Let me go ahead and read verse 6 again. The people of Judah came to Joshua at Gilgal, and Caleb of Jephnah, the Kenzite, said to him, You know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, and Kadesh Barnea concerning you and me. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land, and I brought him word again as it was in my heart. But my brothers who went up with me made the heart of the people met, yet I wholly followed the Lord my God. You see, just to recap it from the book of Numbers, you don't need a turner. Spies were sent to spy out the land of Canaan. They were going on a 40-day men's wilderness trip to spy out the land, okay? Ten of the spies come back. And I'm not going to sing the kid's song because my voice, again, it was horrible. Um, but ten of the, the spies came back and they had a report. Good part, the land is flowing of milk and honey as evidenced by the fruit. The bad part, the land is occupied by strong people and it's fortified. One of the spies, Caleb, in Numbers 13.30, tries to reassure the people, quiet, quiet, God can still take us. He can still do this. Remember what he's done in the past? Yet the ten spies continued to overwhelm the people with the bad report, saying the people would be like grasshoppers compared to the Canaanites. Only Joshua and Caleb had confidence in the Lord. But the people, they had two options. Caleb and Joshua or the ten spies, the minority report or the majority report, and they took the majority report. They heeded that bad report, and it brought upon their condemnation. Israel was suspended because of their rebellion, 40 years wandering in the wilderness because for whatever reason, they wanted to go back to Egypt into slavery because they thought it would be better than to go up against the Canaanites. 
So those 10 spies that gave that bad report, they died. Only Caleb and Joshua were spared. And now, 45 years later, we see, and let me go ahead and read Numbers uh, 14.22, what Caleb says. None of the men who have seen my glory and my signs that I did in Egypt and in the wilderness, yet have put me to test these ten times, have not obeyed my voice, shall see the land that I swore to give to their fathers, and none of those who despise me shall see it. But my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit and has, fully fo- and has followed me fully, I will bring into the land into which he went, and his descendants shall possess it. You see, that phrase, fully followed me or wholly followed, is used of Caleb six times in the Old Testament. Numbers 14, 24, Numbers 32, 12, Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 36. He followed the Lord entirely in his life through the highs and low. And particularly in our passage in verse 8, verse 9, and verse 14, it says he wholly followed the Lord his God. I want to sit down right now and unpack to you what it means to wholly follow the Lord. For Caleb to wholly follow the Lord meant to serve him, to give his life to him. To, and it wasn't going to be popular, and it wasn't going to be comfortable. Caleb was going against the culture. He went against the majority opinion. It was two against ten. He demanded to go and claim the land that God had promised him, but the people feared. To be committed to Christ, church family, means you must do what is not the status quo. You must not go along to get along. You will often be required to stand out by living for God's will and not your will, and it's not the norm. You see, teens, to follow God means you most likely are not going to be liked by some people at your school. You're going to be seen as regressive because of your biblical views on gender and your views on evolution. You're going to be mocked for your desire for virginity. You're going to be ridiculed because you're not using the filthy language that others are using. You must stand out and it's not often going to be comfortable, but it means you must be totally committed. For parents, to be totally committed means you're not going to be popular sometimes. It's not going to be popular to have rules and regulations for your kids. It's not going to be popular when you have to say no so often. It's not going to be popular when you have to say you can't do this, you can't hang out with this friend, you can't go to this place, and your teens or your children may think that you're the no fun parent, and may they might do the unpardonable sin and compare you and say, why can't you be like Maya's parents? Why can't you be like those parents? But bless God today, I am thankful that we have parents that choose not to be popular, but to be faithful. Okay? We have parents that are more interested in their kids' souls than anything else. Parents who put Christ over sports, Christ over school, Christ over everything. That's what we need. Parents that take ownership for their families and say, as for me and my house, We will serve the Lord. That's what we need, that type of commitment. And I know it's not going to be easy. I know it's going to be exhausting, especially in light of for parents raising kids in this world and tossed to and fro. But here's what I want you to do. 
Keep praying. Keep pleading. Keep coming back to God for wisdom because he will give it to you. Keep coming to your church family and ask them for your help because we have your back. We do. You see, it's not going to be comfortable. Commitment for Caleb meant this. He had to wait 40 plus years to receive the promised land that he was meant to get. Can you imagine what his thoughts would be? I, I, I was thinking about that. What would Caleb be thinking if he was one of the faithful spies, but the other 10 were unfaithful, and yet he had to spend time in the wilderness wandering around with the people that are constantly murmuring and crying and bickering? What would that have been like? Could he have thought in the head, God, why me? What did I do to deserve it? God, why am I here now? Why do I have to suffer with all these people? Could those tempting thoughts have creeped into his brain? Maybe, but we don't hear that from him. What does he say in verse 10 of uh, chapter 14? And now behold, the Lord has kept me alive just as he said. These 45 years since the time that the Lord spoke his word to Moses while Israel walked in the wilderness, and now behold, I am this day 85 years old. I'm still as strong today as I was in the day that Moses sent me. My strength now is as my strength was then for war and for going and coming. So now give me this hill country of which the Lord spoke on that day. For you heard on that day how the Anakim were there with great fortified cities. It may be that the Lord will be with me. I shall drive them out just as the Lord said. He had faith. He had faith. We don't like delay. We don't like to be patient. We don't understand this desire of delayed gratification. But one of the things God was doing was working on him in this time and realized that that's part of the mission is that God is working inside of you as he's also working outside of you. You see, this Hebrew phrase, fully followed, can also mean filled to the full of God. The secret to total commitment that we're trying to do today, the secret to be totally committed is to be fooled with God, that he is our source of strength, that he is the reason for our living, that he's the substance that we live off of. I want you to notice who can follow the Lord. One thing I don't know here, if, if look at verse 6, it says, Caleb, the son of Jephna, the Kenzite. And then if you go to verse 14, you'll notice again, it says, Caleb, the son of Jephna, the Kenzite. Caleb's daddy was a foreigner. The Kenzite family origin is not Jewish, but actually Edomite. They're distant cousins to the Israelites. They descend possibly from Esau, Jacob's brother. Most likely, Caleb's dad or ancestors adopted into the family. They were proselytites. In a time and culture where your background, your ancestry, your lineage of our utmost important, Caleb is included here for a reason. Joshua wants us to know that anyone can get into the family of God. And God wants you and I to know that no matter your background or your family upbringing, we can all be totally committed to God. We often too much allow our past to be a roadblock to following God. We often allow our circumstances to dictate our involvement level. Here's the thing I want you to understand here today, because I know I have a lot of teens, a lot of people here. It doesn't matter if you are raised in a Christian home, 
you can be faithful to God. It doesn't matter if you were enslaved to sin or vice, you can be committed to God. It doesn't matter if you're new to the church, new to the reading the Bible, new to all things Christian, you can faithfully follow God. It doesn't matter your education level, it doesn't matter your gender, your age, your ethnicity, everyone can follow God today. Everyone can be a committed follower of Jesus Christ. Why? Because God has overcome your past. God has overcome your sin. God has overcome your dead spirit and given you new life today. New life. You and I must choose to fully follow God. You and I must do this. Because why, church family? Why do we have this theme? Because our church needs people that want to advance the kingdom and God's agenda, not their own. We need people who want to serve and not to be served. Our pastors need people that don't want to be on the sidelines but want to get into the action. Our city needs people who are burdened for poor souls who are going to spend a Christless eternity in hell. Our missionaries need people who are willing to get on their knees begging and interceding for God for them. You see, our world needs people who are proclaiming the name of Jesus Christ. That's what we need. We need totally committed people. So how do we do this? How does Caleb say totally committed? In order for us to be totally committed, two things again, we must live life from God's perspective and we must cling to God's promises. Again, in order for us to be totally committed, we must live life from God's perspective. Again, verse 8, the spies, they had one view of the situation. They go, they see the land, they see the milk and honey, they see the fruit, but then in their view, what they see is they see the giants of the land. They see the fortified cities, and it scares them away. Caleb goes, he sees the same things. He sees the fruit, the milk and honey. He sees the giants, but he has God's view, God's sight of the situation. You see, and what was that? God's sight of this situation was that God could do this. God could take this for them. Why did Caleb have such a faith that God could work, that he could defeat these giants, he could defeat this people? Because he understood how God had worked in the past. He had a God vantage point of his situation. Pastor Sam Storm's comments on this. People today don't interpret their world and their experience of who God is, but they allow their world and their experience to interpret who God is allowed to be. They view life from man's perspective and not from God's. For example, here's one he gives. When you hear news of international conflict and war and threatening of people and panic and wonder— do you think that God has lost grip of affairs? Or do you turn to Isaiah 40 and say, Behold, the nations are like a drop from a bucket and are counted as dust on the scales. What is your perspective? What is your perspective when people join forces to oppose you and make basic, uh, baseless accusations against you and threaten your testimony? Do you shrink back in your enthusiasm? Do you shrink back in your service? Or do you say, as Romans 8 says, says, what shall we say then? If God is for us, who can be against us? He did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. He will also not, 
he will not also with him graciously give us all things. What is your perspective when God takes a loved one early? It's a lot of accusations at him. Think that God has abandoned you or given up? Or is it to say, as Job says, naked have I come from my mother's room. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Or as Job also says, though he slay me, yet I will praise him. What is your perspective, church family? Caleb saw the giants. He saw the fortified cities. But he also knew that how God had worked in the past. He knew how God had come through. He was confident, not in his own strength, in his own ability, his own wisdom. He was confident in God's power. So what is your perspective? What is your perspective when you initially saw this annual theme of total commitment? And pastor's been doing a great job with our sermons. I'm learning something new every Sunday. That our total commitment also means total conformity, to become more like Jesus Christ, to progress in our sanctification, to look less like ourselves and more like him each and every day. And then this morning he's talking to us about total commitment is synonymous with total cruciformity, meaning we are willing to die to ourselves daily, that if any man would come after me, we must deny ourselves, take up our cross daily, and follow him. So when you see initially total commitment, were you thinking, okay, they want us to read our Bible more, um, come to church more, give more offering, go to the nursery and change stinky diapers? Is that what you thought total commitment meant? Or it's, it's this total commitment. I get to read the Word of God, God's instruction manual for me in my very own language when other people don't have it total commitment. I get to come to church and worship freely where other people are under threat. I get to worship with the saints and encourage them. Total commitment. I get to give back to God what God has freely blessed me with. Or total commitment. I still get to change those stinky diapers, but maybe one day that boy or girl is going to be a missionary or be a pastor. You see, church family, it's all a matter of your perspective. Are you looking at things from God's view or from man's view, from the heavenly perspective or from an earthly perspective? How are you viewing life? Caleb had a faith because he viewed things from God's perspective. You see, another thing when it comes to perspective, and sorry, teens, I got to pick on you a little bit, teens and young adults, is too often we think Christianity is a bunch of rules and regulations, things I can't do, things I'm not allowed to do, this and that. Like, do you only see Christianity like that from this humanly perspective, that, that no fun religion? Or do you not realize this, that Christianity is that God has saved you from those vices, those sins that will destroy your life. Do you see it from that perspective? That living your best life now is not really your best life now. Come on now, church family. How do you view life? If we want to be totally committed, we need to view life from God's perspective. And we must cling to God's promises. Throughout Joshua 14, Caleb refers to the anchor of his faith, the support that helps him stay totally committed. Okay? Verse 6. Notice, I want you to see that he's talking about the Lord's 
promises. Verse 6, the Lord said to Moses. Other translations, some of them translate them into the word promise. He keeps coming back to this again. Verse 10, the Lord has kept me alive. Verse 10, since the time the Lord spoke this word to me. Verse 12, which the Lord spoke or promised that day. Verse 12 again, I shall drive them out just as the Lord said. Five times Caleb is trying to hammer this point home. His request is not for nothing because God has promised it to him. True faith always functions that way. It holds fast to God's promises. It anchors itself in God's word. You see, and for Caleb, he also has history. He was alive during the Exodus. He knew what it was to be like under slavery, to see his Egyptian brothers and sisters be abused and mocked and ridiculed, to be under the slave master's hands, and he was denied freedom passage, free passage to the promised land, and yet the Lord delivered them. He saw God faithful to his promises. He saw how God went up against the Egyptian gods and wiped them out. He saw how God provided manna for those murmuring people in the wilderness. He was faithful to his promises. God is a promise keeper. Do you get it? Do you believe it? It's not just some organization. He really is. He is a promise keeper. He always is going to be faithful to his word. Okay, you may say, okay, Pastor Lordy, I get it. He is a promise keeper, but how do I stay committed to Christ? What do I do? Because I try, and it seems I always get distracted or bogged down by life. Oh, did you know there's more promises for you, my friend? He promises to give you wisdom if you lack it. He promises to provide a way out of temptation if you will ask for it. He promises that our salvation is secure and nothing can separate us from God. He promises that in the good times, in the bad times, in your wilderness seasons of life, that he will never leave you nor forsake you. He promises that he who began a good work in us will complete it until the end. And he's promised, oh, I love this. He's promised that he is coming back again to restore all things, church family. So what do I want from you today? Caleb says this. He says, verse 11, I am still strong today as I was in the day that Moses sent me. My strength is now my strength was then for war and for going and coming. So now, he says this, give me this hill country. Or I like to say, give me this mountain. Give me this mountain. We need a church family that has some pep to their step, that has some vigor, that has some ambition to see God at work, to see God doing things. I want you to know, I'm so excited in the office as I see things changing in the school. I'm so excited in the church family as I see new people coming along and wanting to serve. Why? Because God is at work in our midst. So get off the sideline, get in the game. Let's go. Let's get in the game. Don't think God saved you just to save you and that's it. Don't think God saved you just for you to go to church and that's it. Don't think God saved you just for you to sit in the pews and that's it. Don't think God saved you just to give 10% and that's it. God saved you for more, for more. He puts you in that job for a purpose. He gave you that family for a purpose. He puts you as a teacher with those kids for a purpose. He gave you those neighbors for a purpose. We are on mission for God. Let's go after it. 
Let's say, Lord, give me this mountain because today I want to be a part of your mission. I want to have faith and we can do things for God. Not in our strength, but what God can do through us. Let's pray. Father, <clears throat> I'm just so thankful, Lord, just for bringing my wife and I and our family here to Faith Baptist Church. Lord, I'm just so grateful for the leaders and their impact upon our lives. And I'm just so thankful for the church family, that we have a church family that does truly want to run hard after you. So, Father, what I'm asking for today is I'm asking, Lord, that you would help us. Help us to be more committed to you. Help us to push away the distractions, push away things that get in the way, and make sure that we're on mission for you, because you're up to something here, Lord. You are up to something good here at Faith Baptist Church. And Lord, I pray that we can get on the journey with you, Lord, and you would give us that mountain. Thank you for this day. In your name, amen.